Welcome to the Forge America Missional Podcast, where we discuss faith, mission, the church, and the intersection of all three. Today on The Roundtable, we continue our discussion on the book New Power and its implications for the church. Thanks for listening, and we're glad you're joining us at The Roundtable. Yeah, welcome to the round table. Today with us is Terry in Austin, Texas. How you doing, Terry? I'm doing pretty good, man. You doing well? I, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing great. It's like it, I woke up this morning. It was 30 degrees here in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I know we're not supposed to talk about the weather when it comes to uh, talking to people in the Pacific Northwest, because with us today also is Joel and Brenna Varner. How you guys doing? We're doing great. It's 50 and cloudy here. <laughs> As always. Is it nighttime? You can... Is it nighttime yet? It's 10, it's 10, 15 a.m. Is it nighttime oh. yet? It feels like it's nighttime. Oh, okay. please don't bring yeah. that up because the next three months, that's all Joel will comment on every day is how dark it is so early. It's like he's 80. Yeah. <laughs> well, glad yeah. you guys are here. Yeah. Yeah, it's good to have you guys. Well, today we're going to continue this discussion on new power. And specifically, last time we talked about this concept of A, so actionable, connected, and extensible. And we were trying to unpack the idea, and then we kind of wanted to look at how this applies to the church and how this, how we can kind of put this through the, the, the lens of the church. But just as a small little recap, this idea of ACE is the idea of how ideas spread in a new power world. And the A is for actionable, so that this the idea is designed to make you do something. So actually, you're supposed to actually have some sort of action associated with it. And then see that it's connected. And the, the idea is the idea promotes a peer connection with people you care about or that you share values with. And then E is that it's extensible. The idea can be easily customized, remixed, and shaped by the participant. So those three ideas... What does that mean? And one of the ideas we're going to talk about in this one was how do we see this playing out in the church? Yeah, it's funny. We, you know, we last time we were said, hey, we're going to come back with examples of how this is played out in the church. No, it was harder than I thought it was going to be, you know, at least finding examples where all three are done really, really well. And 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 it just it was more conviction that I feel like, man, we, we still have a whole lot of uh, we still have a whole lot of way to go in really kind of leveraging power in this way. But it was encouraging. Well, it's interesting. I think I mentioned this last time was, yeah, it is It is hard to find organizations or ideas where, that are encompassing all three of these. And and as we've said, this whole idea of new power, it's not gospel. It's not like, hey, this is the, the new way of doing things. It's sure. an interesting idea. And, and what I wrote in the book while I was reading this, I, I seriously, I highlighted that whole actionable, connected, extensible piece, and I just put discipleship. Because that's what a lot of churches are talking about now is their discipleship pathways or discipleship pipelines. How are they discipling people? You've got, you know, disciples who make disciples. Even the big movement now, which I love, the idea that, you know, God never asked you to plant a church. God asked you to make disciples. Like, that's what Jesus asked you to do, was to go make disciples. And when I read this, that's what resonated with me the most, was how Jesus discipled people, uh, how he gave them power and agency, how he modeled it, how he did all of these things. I mean, he did. He gave them actions to do, right? He connected them to a peer group. And then and then the idea that it's extensible, like it keeps going. There's a movement. And what I love about it is there's not a whole lot of strategy involved. It's not like Jesus said, here's the exact thing you have to do. Now you have Luke 9 and 10, which is about the closest Jesus comes to a strategy where he sends out the 12, then he sends out the 72. But other than that, he's like, Go live out these values. 
talk about the kingdom, uh, demonstrate the kingdom, you know, all of these things, uh, heal the sick, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, love your neighbor, all the one another's, go do it. Like go put, go put it into action. Make sure you're connected. Don't go, don't go alone. And, and then how does this thing, as, as they say in the book, how does this thing get customized, remixed and shaped by the participants? You know, I, I just got done with a meeting uh, right, right before this, right before we started recording, it was a bunch of different missional practitioners in our city. And this is some of the stuff that they're yearning for. Cause I asked them, I said, what are the biggest needs that you're seeing in your individual pockets? And these are people who lead churches. These are people who lead missional communities. And they're like, oh, we're feeling alone. We're feeling like we're not connected. Uh, we want to know how to uh, disciple people well and raise up emerging leaders. You know, all of these things. And I hear, okay, you know, I, I want to be able to be connected. I want to be able to take ideas and and remix them and translate them. I want to be able to um, empower and equip people to actually live out the gospel in their context. I want I want to be able to empower people that they have their own power and agency, that they don't have to wait for some church leader to do this that they can do it. And I think that's the thing that excites me most for the church is that lens. Yeah. And I think that it is possible, and that's why we're talking about it, but it is possible uh, for organized churches, institutional churches to change power in this way and to empower their, their people to do this. It's just hard, it's difficult. And so instead of like getting stories of whole institutions that are, living out spreadable uh, discipleship and, instead of attractional consumers is because it's hard to shift that way. And so what we, instead what we see is churches kind of experimenting and trying new things. And at least with Forge Albany, that's what we get to do is um, kind of go partner with churches and find pockets of people within those churches and, and kind of tinker with these spreadable ideas and give them new ways of living. And hopefully then that infiltrate the entire church, but it is hard it is really hard for an entire institutional church to suddenly change its power structure and start giving away power to, to people and and living out discipleship that really empower it's it's in the hands of the people because as they're living out their forms of discipleship they are deciding kind of for themselves what that how that discipleship is lived out in their communities so so for us we we don't have a lot of big stories of churches that are uh, kind of living out these these ace uh, ideas. But within those churches, we're seeing a lot of people that are having those stories where they, they're taking ownership for that and they're doing these actionable and connect, connected and extensible discipleship practices. I mean, we we all, uh, I love what you're saying, Joel, uh, and we we all share that that, that same you know, honor of getting to work with churches and helping people think through some of these things and, and even bringing some of these ideas to them. And so I'd love, let's, let's kind of dig into this a little bit and maybe get to a, a boots on the ground uh, level and think through it. And so, you know, so let, let's look at the idea of actionable, right? So it's the idea, uh, it's designed to make you do something, right? And so in, in your experience and, and churches you've worked with or just stories that you're hearing, I mean, who's doing this well? Is, are there any just real tangible examples of how leaders are helping their people take action? Well, here's here's a completely and utterly selfish plug. I mean, we are Forge America, and one of the things that we do in Forge is we do train and we do network. And part of our training is that we have a, a residency that we take people through. So it's a six-month residency. It's a, nation, a national curriculum 
And each one of our hubs, so I am Forge Knoxville, we partner with local churches to walk through that residency. Part of that residency takes part in our, what do we call it, our educational philosophy and the fact that there will be action reflection. And so it's not just, here's a bunch of intellectual things that you're going to agree to. Here, read this book by Hershey or Frost or any of this. And then it's like, oh, this is very nice. And then you sit around a table and discuss it. But the residency, when we take people through it, we're actually pushing people towards action. You're going to go do something. You're going to go talk to neighbors. You're going to go talk to, you know, actually go out there and do something. And that's one of the things I love. I love that concept, following it up with, because the hope is as you're going through the residency, you also have a coach who's holding you accountable to that, who's actually unpacking that with you and saying, hey, you went and did this. What does that look like? How did that, you know, what are all the implications of what you did? And that's one of the things that I, I really love. So, I mean, again, selfish plug, but in yeah. what we're doing, we're trying to make it actionable. It's not just intellectually assent to these missional ideas. It is go actually do the thing. Oh, with, with same with Forge Albany too. I mean, that's something that we're trying to, to do with when we go to churches and we start, you know, training, okay, how do we, what does it look like to be a missionary where you already live, work and play? Um, we try to give a real basic framework. Um, so the actionable ideas have to be easy. They can't be complicated. And I think that's what, you know, spreadable ideas are, is that they're not complicated. They're easy. Anyone can do them. Um, that's, you know, like the ice bucket challenge. It, this wasn't, this wasn't complicated. Anyone could participate. And so we want to do actionable things that anyone can participate in. Sometimes we give actionable ideas in the church that are like, well, I don't, I haven't been to seminary or I haven't, you know, I haven't done all these things because we're, we're holding these, these actionable ideas. Well, if you're going to be a ministry, a minister or a missionary, these are these high bar action ideas. And so we, we want to say, no, everyone is. So everyone, everyone gets to participate. Everyone gets to play. So we really, we give a basic framework of basically saying, Hey, you have to ask yourself, who are you sent to? So that's your context. And then, and then who are you sent with? Because we believe in um, shared leadership and, and the apest of, of the believers. And then in that context, where are you sent? That's your neighborhood workplace or school or your your uh, local coffee, coffee place. How is community being expressed? How is serving being expressed? And how is worship being expressed? And it's simple. It, it, you can literally count everything on your hand of these actionable ideas that you do. And we don't tell them how to do those things. That's the yeah. extensible part. That's how they get to put their fingerprints on it. But it's really easy. Anyone can do this. And it really puts those steps, like like Alan Hirsch says, makes it easy and sneezable. It's it's transferable. Pretty soon, other people are saying, oh, well, this is what I heard it looks like to be a disciple or a missionary. And they start telling other people. They can start teaching people those same actionable steps as well. Yeah, that's where I think it's important that leaders don't just simply find a curriculum or, or even I've seen this happen where you take a curriculum like the forge training, you know, and it's, it's, it's very robust. I mean, back in the day we were giving away what 12 credit hours towards a master's in missional leadership with a handful of different seminaries. And so it's, it's really, really in-depth content. So it's, it's some of the best missional incarnational training curriculum you can find. Um, selfish plug, selfish plug, <laughs> selfish plug. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. It's true. But we, we've seen people, right? We've seen people take that content and then just simply walk people through it and, and not put an emphasis on exactly what you're talking about, Joel. Not really having them wrestle with their context. To whom have you been sent? To whom have you been sent with? 
not wrestling with the the action piece of of going and doing even the small little things of like actually just beginning to live this out beginning to let this inform how you live your life and and again it just falls back into the basic paradigm that we all it's the habitual paradigm that we have of of kind of the greek thinking of that we'll just learn our way into a new way of of living and you know that has its place for sure but for the kingdom i mean it rarely do we actually see it play out that way i mean you you get the the ninjas right that that the three percenters the ones who are just like yeah i'm all in let's do it and so they'll actually begin they can take a study and then it can translate into action but what we find for most people is that it's just a study it's just more knowledge it's just more information they they they're now enlightened on what it means to be a sent one of Jesus, but yet no real change in their life. And so really, really adopting that Hebraic mindset of, you know, acting your way into a new way of understanding and like letting the actions like the the, the on the job training. Right. And so it's the idea that you, you get a job, you go to training and, you know, it's maybe a day, maybe for lucky, it's like a week of training. And then they're like, all right, go do the job. And you're still like, I have no idea how to do this job. Like, what, what do you mean? I'm supposed to go work now? Like, aren't you going to train me some more? And they're like, no, 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 you'll figure it out on the job. You'll figure it out as you go. Like, you'll do it. You'll get your reps. You'll get better. And then you'll be a great employee. Uh, but in the church, we we almost kind of like, no, 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 it's okay. We'll, we'll keep you in training. And we'll just say, here's the next book. Here, here's the next resource. Mm-hmm. And we never, well, not never, we rarely push people in, into the action pieces. And and I, and I do think, I, I, I will say this, I'll be a little generous. I do, I'm seeing more and more churches, more and more leaders who are starting to kind of recognize this and they are pushing and encouraging and getting people into action. So there, there are some churches that, that we're working with that are doing that, but it's rare. It really is. One of the things in the book that I found very interesting was it, it started talking about the idea and the difference between new power and old power values and old power and new power models. So you had the idea of the values and the model. In other words, let me let me say it this way. One of the things that I've been seeing a lot of when it comes to the missional conversation is you have people who may espouse missional values, but they have no missional models. In other words, they'll talk about it all day long. They'll preach about it. They'll teach about it. They might even equip and train, but they have no models in place to actually make that happen. Does that make sense? And what they say that in the book, they say they've got a little matrix where they kind of put it up against, you know, here's here's this X, Y, you know, matrix and you have new power, old power uh, models versus, you know, new power, uh, old power values. And they would say, like, if you have a new power values, but you have old power model, you're just a cheerleader. And what we're seeing a lot is there are a lot of cheerleaders. A lot of people are like, oh, that's a great idea. But you got to have the model in place, the structure in place. What does it look like to have a missional structure? And you're going to continually do it. You're not just going to teach it. You're not just going to do that. And I actually think it's the actionable piece where the the rubber meets the road. It's when you're asking people to be actually do the thing and actually go out there and you're holding people accountable in a healthy in a healthy way. You know, there's grace. It's not the legalistic, you know, cultish way, but you're holding people accountable in a healthy way and people actually being called to do it. When I think about 
our journey in training people to be actionable. You know, we we went and did it and then we said, okay, this is how we, we've done it. Now you go do it. And people just tried to imitate the way that we did it. And then they tried it and it didn't work. They're like, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't work for me in my context. And so, the, you know, they just, oh, this isn't a, a great idea. And when I think about, you know, what Joel's saying about making things simple, the, the thing in the book uh, at the beginning where they were describing between Minecraft and Tetris, it's just such a great example because um, I think in our beginning of our training, when we were trying to train people to be missional, we were more Tetris. Like, here's here's a thing we're giving you, yeah. you know, we're going to trust you with like, go do this thing. And we were prescriptive. We were saying, okay, you know, where can I put the mission? We're prescriptive. Now you go do this thing and you make it happen. And, and where we've learned that things are more led by the Holy Spirit and more um, kingdom and people have ownership is when it's more Minecraft. Like here's the building blocks. Now I'm going to put that hammer, whatever that, that block is, I'm going to put that tool in your hand and go nuts. And it, it you know, it, it's, could it go good. It could go poorly, but we're going to learn along the way. And I think a lot of it is giving people a framework and then just putting it in their hands and not being prescriptive for them and not doing it for them. And just to continue to encourage them. Um, We've got to get to a spot that we're willing to put that hammer in other people's hands and and trust the Holy Spirit. And, and our job is to encourage them to use that hammer, not to tell them how to. Yeah. It, it reminds me, if you're listening, uh, take a second and go Google the invitation challenge matrix. And so it's just a simple matrix. It talks about, it's a tool that you can kind of plot where people and organizations kind of exist. And it is the balance of exactly what you said, uh, Bradford, the idea of balancing grace and truth that we want to hold them. We want to challenge them to truth that they are the sent ones of Jesus, that that we play a significant role in the revealing of the rule and reign of God. But also we want to invite them in a sense of, of showing a lot of grace. Right. And, and and even in those quadrants on that that matrix, the idea of there are so many churches that are really, really cozy. Right. We, we do a lot of invitation. It's like we want to show grace, but we don't really we don't put the challenge in front of them. We're not really calling them to action. And so we just create these cozy environments. And so I, I, that, that totally just came to mind uh, as we think that we have to we have to figure out a way to re-energize, reclaim, reinvent this idea of accountability. And I know I'm, I'm even when I hear that word, I hate it. It, it. I've got so much baggage that's wrapped up into it, but that concept, we, we have to be able to live. If we're truly going to be disciples, that's where we have to go. We have to have a healthy idea of that. So, all right, cool. Well, let's jump into this, this next idea of connectedness. So this is the idea uh, that peer to peer connections with people you care about and share values with. So the idea of being connected, right? So what does that look like and how, how are churches doing that well? Well, I think that actually speaks a lot to Terry, what you were just saying about, you know, this kind of accountability piece. It's getting people in a room, sharing their stories, sharing, you know, what God's been doing, what God's been showing them uh, and how they're living out these actionable items, these actual missional items, these actionable discipleship values, practices that that's more of an inspiring accountability. You know, it's more of a, oh man, that's so cool. I can't believe God's doing that. And oh, let me, let me share 
something that, you know, that resonates with me. That's something God's been doing here. Or, uh, man, I, I would love to have that a similar story that way. So that inspires me to want to live out these, these discipleship practices or missional values. And so I think that getting people in the room and it's not a leader lording over saying, hey, how come you're not doing what I told you to do? Um, or what you said you're going to do. It's more getting people in a room and inspiring one another. And, and that I think is a great way of having positive accountability. Yeah. One of the things that I've seen uh, for the connected piece that I'm excited about in the you know movement of Jesus is the fact that, you know, when I was growing up in church, it was very much uh, denominational lines. You know, I'm Baptist, I'm Methodist, I'm whatever, right? There was very much that kind of idea. And it could have just been, I grew, I came to faith in the South. Maybe it's the South. Maybe it was my experience. But what I'm seeing now is this concept, and the way that we've kind of addressed it is, is the idea of kingdom over brand and whatever brand it is. So again, I just, I just got out of a room with a bunch of guys and, and girls, and it was several different networks, national networks, some of them, uh, some of them are regional networks, several different churches, uh, different denominations, different church plants, different spaces, and even different types of models of church, if you will. But we all had the same heart, and it was that that kingdom over brand, and how are we connected? And the number one thing I said, what is the greatest need? And they were like, oh man, like having connection with other people who are like this, who think like this, who who are who have these postures, who have this heart, was the number one greatest need. Um, you know, there were, there were guys in that room who didn't even know that there were other people in all the entire city who thought the way they did. They felt completely alone. But it's like, no. And so that's one of the things I get really excited about when it comes to connectedness is this idea that we are now crossing both, you know, uh, denominational lines. I mean, even really like theological lines. We're kind of getting down to it. It's like, hey, like Jesus is Lord. All the other stuff we have opinions and thoughts on, we can be, feel, feel very strong on it, but Jesus is Lord, and let's figure all the rest out because it's about the kingdom here. It's not about my particular brand. And that's some of the stuff that I get the most excited about when it comes to some of this new power ideas and how it affects the church. Yeah, I mean, I hear that, and I love that. One of the things that I just find myself over and over again just getting really frustrated with and it's because slowly, actually, it's actually very quickly becoming one of those soapbox things for me is I am more and more convinced that the overemphasis on community is just it's I think it's misguided. I really do. And and I and I know people are like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, Sanders talks about the the, the minimal ecclesiology of of community and worship and uh, and mission and service and I and, and and I get it and but what the point that I'm trying to make is and I've said this ad nauseum on this podcast community for community sake is is it leaves you wanting it's just it's not there and so I was listening to someone and we were we were having a conversation around up in and out uh, which is that same idea right communion with God community with others and mission uh, for those who are not yet followers of Jesus and so when we when we got to the community piece. You know, I, I think we just have such a poor understanding of why community is important. And I'm, I'm just getting to the point now where if your community, if the point, if the purpose of your community, that, that, that whole piece, if it isn't sunk in the idea of discipleship, like if it isn't sunk in the idea of connecting and, and giving them things to, to be discipled and to make disciples, I think you're just, you're, you're part of my language. You're half-assing it. 
that's half-assed community and it's not super valuable. And, and that's why people struggle to have small group ministries because their small group ministries aren't making disciples and they're definitely not getting people to the place where they make disciples uh, of other people. And so that's that's that idea of that connectedness for me. When I when I look at this, I, that's the piece that I see that that's where we have the uphill battle is just really understanding, okay, connectedness, community, those types of relationships, that peer-to-peer connection. If discipleship isn't the primary pulse for that, we're we're missing the point. We're missing the whole stinking point. Terry, do you think that it's actually community that you have a hard time with or a lack of action well, in yeah. the community that you have a hard time with? Because what I'm hearing you say is that, that connectedness is important, Absolutely. but it's, it's lacked the action. Yes. And so then that community has been not powerful because yes. it's, you know, actionable and connected for this ACE. It has to have both pieces. And that would be like communitas, um, exactly. like Alan Hirsch would teach on, like you are on mission together. You're shoulder to shoulder. The true community is when you're getting after something. So so maybe it's not the community that you have a problem with. It's the lack of action. Yeah. And maybe a better way of putting it is I have a problem with the way people define community in the church today. Because I am, I still am floored, and when I talk with pastors, and when they talk about community, really all they're wanting to do is just connect people. Oh, we just people just need to be connected. They just need to share life with one another. And I'm like, well, unpack that. What does it mean, share life? You know, just like spend some time with other people. And uh, to me, it's like, well, spending time just to spend time. I was like, I mean, there I have non-Christian friends I'd probably rather spend time with than people in my church. <laughs> like, just let's be honest. Like, those cats are way funner. And so, so it's it's this idea of when we do connect, when we when we are experiencing community, like the community it, that should be the that should be the overflow, that should be the output, that's the symptom, right? That's the, that's the result. And so it's like having that disciple making purpose, that that actionable piece of it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And so it's just it's exhausting to hear pastor after pastor. Just simply want to connect people for the per- for the sole purpose of that people aren't alone, which I think is good. People don't need to be alone, but we got to make disciples. Yeah, I think it's the difference when you talk about purpose purposeless groups. You're almost talking about the difference between bounded set and centered set community. Yeah, um, you know when you don't have a purpose um, and it's just linking people together. I- I've heard of affinity groups, right? Small groups and sure. affinity groups, things that that you guys all have in common. So let's link you together. It becomes a click at that point, right? It just becomes like, a, well, you look like me, act like me and talk like me. So let's, I guess we're a group, you know, yeah. we have a lot in common. So let's, let's, whereas a, a centered set group says, Hey, we're here for a purpose. We're linked together for, for a common cause. And we're very different from each other. You know, we have that right now with some church leaders where I was doing a lot of like one-on-one training with with the church leaders about how their church can be more missional. And I realized these churches leaders need to talk to each other. They need to be linked together because they're really coming after um, this, this missional idea of how their church can be more missional. So we started putting them in a room together and they're Baptists and they're Pentecostals and they have a lot of uh, male pastors, female pastors, a lot of things that you would not think uh, unite them, but this one purpose of how do we how do we mobilize our people to be more missional has bonded them together, and they're yeah. they are deeply connected with one another now because of this purpose. And That's so right. you can have so many differences. So, like you said, as as long as you put this like 
how are we living out the kingdom of God? That's right. That becomes so the center good. of it. That then unites people of all different walks of yeah. life, all different denominations and ages and socioeconomic groups. You can have them that purpose that links everyone together and they go, hey, we have probably more in common than we have different. Yeah, it's like it's the idea that people say all the time. Oh, you need to exist uh, to something bigger than yourself, right? And the same thing is true for community. If community is just for me and it's just for you, then blah. But if we exist together for the purpose of something bigger, that's magical, right? All right, so let's 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 jump in, uh, or let's let's continue the conversation, right? So uh, actionable connectedness. This last one, this idea of extensible, right? And so the idea here is that you can take something. And you can easily customize it, remix it, shape it by the participants, right? And so the instant idea that comes to mind for me is the underground, right? I think th- these, I think this is why these guys have gotten so much play in the last handful of years is because they've taken something that the church has not been very good at. The church has always been very protective, right? I've, I've even been a part of churches that was like, hey, don't uh, don't mess with our logo. Like, don't change our branding. Like, don't you like even like the youth ministry is like, can we change the? No, we have. It's really ridiculous. But what the underground has done is they've taken the idea of simple church, right? Micro church, mission, community, and worship, and said, okay, go figure it out. Do it the way you would do it. Remix it. Put your flavor. It. Put your twist on it. And and it's really actually been inspiring to see so many people respond and one the the greatest comments that i'm hearing is i didn't know we could do that like i I didn't know we were allowed to do that and right and so that's why i think hopefully we see we're seeing more and more of being people being able to take the mission of god take their discipleship into their own hands and just make it their own put their own stank on it and just see what god does i think the big challenge for that is like you said, we have to let go. We have, we talked about this before, let go of control. That's huge. Um, it's not going to have our, maybe like you said, logo or the logo is going to have, uh, it's going to be wonky. You're like, well, I wouldn't have done it that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, when we, I did some training uh, with, with a couple churches together, there was a pastor in there who went through the whole course and he goes, man, this is so simple and great. I'm just going to take everything that you did. And I'm going to now take this back to my church and I'm going to share this with my church because it's so easy. And then I'm going to customize it and do it. And a part of me was like, wait, no, that that's my stuff. <laughs> like, no, no, no. Like they, that's right. I'll that's go right. to your church and tell them how to do it. Yeah. But no, he was taking ownership of it. He was taking a simple framework and going, Hey, I'm going to take this yeah. now and spread this. And I had to let go of that. I had to let go of the control of that and realize like, that's, good i have to have a new set of values now that letting this go and letting this spread is a good thing yeah it's it's embracing a a mindset of generosity right instead instead of having a scarcity mindset it's having a generosity mindset which i believe that's like my next big growth area personally like as a six on the enneagram man i'm always like generosity is like no no no, generosity is good but not for me i gotta secure myself right and and that's where i see god really growing me and i'm the same way it's like if i take an idea it's like hey man don't don't take my idea that's my idea right you know give me credit give me credit (laughs) like why what does it even no one's gonna know who i am it's like who terry aishi who they won't even say my name right right so who, who cares but yeah it's it's being willing to get there 
And I think that's where we have to go. We have to get there. I need to, I think another big part of the extensible idea, what I loved in the book was the idea of remix. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it goes back to um, one of the big things that all churches look at is their discipleship pipeline, right? How we disciple people. And the old traditional way was really you got a curriculum and you follow the curriculum. You put people through literally a pipeline and you were trying to engineer spiritual growth in those people as if all of those people we're going to connect with whatever that program was from start to finish. You just do, you know, A, B, C all the way through. And what we're seeing is kind of a, a overreaction to that. Well, let's chuck all that out of the way. Let's let's get rid of all of that stuff. And it's just like, oh, we just get people together and, and you know, spiritual growth will happen. Whereas really it's somewhere in the middle. You know, the idea of what I love is the idea of, you know, as opposed to just a wild and free garden, you kind of need to have a trellis. And you let people remix it. You let people figure it out. So the idea of curated curriculum, good idea. But if you're just taking it straight up and just trying to apply it in your context, well, there's something really wrong there. I I remember Terry and I, you and I were talking about that. You know, one of the geniuses of uh, what's coming out of Kansas City Underground is their missionary pathway. But the big genius of that idea is the work they put into it, figuring that out in their context. Now, there's some universal principles there that I think you can use. But it's like, okay, that's what it looks like there. What does it look like in your space? What is what is what is this actually kind of how does this play out? And knowing that people are varied, you've got you don't just have a few different types of subcultures in America anymore. You've got thousands and thousands of yeah. subcultures and how people are going to get engaged with Jesus is completely different. And there's the freedom in that, that that posture of let it go into the wild. You know, this is not about my brand, my whatever just let it go. There's still, you know, the accountability, there's still the Holy Spirit. And when we interviewed uh, Lance and Rob, uh, Lance Ford and Rob Wagner about the starfish and the spirit, one of the things I loved was you're trusting the Holy Spirit in someone else. I think, I think Lance said that. And how do you trust the Holy Spirit in someone else and not have to have command and control and I got to figure this out and engineer this and tighten this down. But you're also giving those people enough you know, accountability, equipping, walking alongside them. You're not just leaving them out there to, to flounder. You're coming alongside them as well and, and leaving the room for the dance, you know, and not just the prescriptive this, 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 and this. There's, there's kind of a bit of a freeform dance in this. When we um, were starting our, our network of, of micro churches, you know, for, we were walking people, we use the calling lab from the underground and, and walking people through a process of, of really defining their context. And, you know, it's that same time that we we're launching the microchurch network. And if I'm really honest, I really wanted people to come up with some fantastic things and get after it because it would make me look good. Yeah, right. Sure. Like, <laughs> yeah. look what I, look what I did. Um, and some of the things that people came up with, I was like, huh, well, yeah. okay. And, and, uh, I had to let go of that and to and to trust the Holy Spirit and to to know that also people are competent, like they know their own lives. They know their context better than I do. Uh, and so, you know, I can come alongside and ask questions. But one thing that helped me in that process was to frame it as an experiment. Yeah. So it wasn't just about my you know, me launching something, it was like, we're just going to experiment with this. And if it fails, that's okay. And we just started with that posture. Like this doesn't have to succeed. And so go try it and let's see what happens. And the stories that are coming back are phenomenal. And the 
uh, work and the process within people going through that process. What the Holy Spirit is doing is phenomenal. And I can't, you can't manufacture that. You have to allow the Spirit to do that. And you have to, you have to get out of the way for that to happen. But it is hard. It is very hard. Yeah, that, that's so good, Brennan. And I think there's one, 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 one additional thing is is that we got to give away power, right? We have to be willing to do that. And to your point, we have to get to the point where we can say that counts, because they may come up with something that's like, really, that's all you came up with? It's like, that, is that the best that God inspired you to do? But it's like, no, 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 that counts. That totally is valid and counts. And I'm wrong. That's my sin. That's my ego. That's my junk getting in the way of that. So I think that's a huge thing. So that's that's such a powerful word, uh, Brenna. All right. Well, this has been a really good conversation. Thank you, guys. Uh, we'd like to throw it out there. Uh, you know, the the four of us, we had a hard time sitting down and saying, hey, what are some practical examples? Even though we said we were going to try to come up with all these different practical examples, but we'd love to hear from you and say, hey, if you have seen places where there has been actionable, connected, or extensible uh, ideas and values being lived out in faith communities, we'd love to hear about it. So our emails are in the uh just show notes there, the description in the in the podcast. It's just Alan at ForgeAmerica.com, Terry at ForgeAmerica.com, Brenna at ForgeAmerica.com, or Joel at ForgeAmerica.com. And we'd love to hear from you if there's been anything where you have seen different ideas where this ace idea has been played out within the faith community. Uh, so yeah, so give us a ring. We'd love to hear about it. And uh, until next time, we'll talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Forge America Missional Podcast. Forge America longs to see the reign of God revealed in the everyday spaces of life. To do this, we partner with local movements to mobilize the people of God to participate in the everyday mission of God. If you'd like to know more about Forge America, feel free to check us out at forgeamerica.com.